Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, hustlers. We know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business, or let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you, introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part. The cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute drowning in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph slash payroll starter monthly 5k. If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. The Hustle Share Podcast is brought to you by Capita. Capita's software solution seeks to automate the equity management process for startups, including workflows around cap tables, ESOPs, due diligence, and transactions. Sign up at Capita.com to get started with your digital cap table, ESOP, award granting, and all things equity. Free for companies with under 25 stakeholders. Also powered by Limitless Connect. Limitless Connect can provide digital CX solutions. The teams of Limitless Connect have years of CX experience, which equip them as the driving contact centers in the future. Sign up for a free consultation with Limitless Connect at www.limitlesscx.com. With Limitless Connect by your side, anything is possible. Also powered by Pod Machine, the simplest way to grow and edit your podcast. Sign up now at podmachine.com and use the code HUSTLESHARE to get one free edit. We were so broke back then. So we just took the offer and many people will say to us, oh, you should have kept going for longer. It could have been more value, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, if that was a bit of a failure on our part, then we always say to ourselves it was a pretty good failure. You know, we, we came out of it with a bit more financial stability. We moved out of Tecloban to Manila. You know, more people got to know us and that helped us with our second venture, which was Autodeal. Welcome to Hustle Share. The podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences, but that our hustles are very much alike. Now here's your host, Ronster Beitiong. Welcome to this episode of our Share Podcast. I finally got my boys. I've been wanting to get these guys. Just so you know, when we're recording this, this is literally the last episode before my fourth anniversary. 
Perfect. Why the hell are we just doing this now, first of all? <laughs> Probably our fault. <laughs> now, you guys are so super busy and easily one of my idols in the startup ecosystem because they are legit. And today, we will be dissecting their hustle. But before I get carried away, let's welcome to the show, Mr. Frankie Franks and Danny Scott. Oh, auto deal. Whoop, whoop. Thanks for having us around. All right, thank you so much, guys. Finally, we're here, and again, um, very, very big fans of what you guys do. But before I get carried away, I need to ask you the million-dollar question, Danny and Frankie. What is your hustle? What's you want to go? Uh, we are the illustrious co-founders of AutoDeal.com.ph. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Number one automotive marketplace in the Philippines. Hands down. Ooh. Hands down. Not, not even close, right? And again, big fan of what you guys do in AutoDeal. How long has it been since you guys founded this? I just, just want to carbon date you guys a little bit. 2014 for AutoDeal. Oh my God. Ooh. Almost 10 years. But automotive industry in mm. the Philippines, another three or four years before that. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. But again, before I get carried away, I need you guys to buckle up. Because I also have a car here, okay? It's not a normal car. It's an intergalactic car. Need to buckle up. It's a seven-seater like my Honda Mobilio that I bought from you guys. Mm -hmm. Because we're going to have to ride the Hustle Share Time Machine. Oh, oh, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) All right. Because again, you guys have been here. And I know a bit of your story. And so far as I can remember, I know one thing that's like, I remember being in Jupiter to shout out John Arak. We were sharing one office once upon a time yeah and that's how i met you guys and it's like what brought you guys here i remember you guys telling me the story that you guys were volunteers for typhoon yolanda that's as far back as i know it goes back further than that right so that's what i want to know right it's not it's not the usual kind of we came to manila and we saw an opportunity and we started (laughs) startup it wasn't like that at all okay what I want to understand first, let's start with you, Danny. All right. So obviously, you've been here for a while now. I consider you a Filipino, a Cebuano Filipino before anything else. Tacluba. Uh, <laughs> Taclubanon. There you go. But before getting to the Philippines, I want to just go back from where you came from. Where did you grow up and was there any inclinations of entrepreneurship growing up? Uh, from Liverpool, UK. Wow. Very much. A soccer, football, uh, you know, capital of the world. So uh, sports and stuff were big for me back then. Mm -hmm. I guess a a general kind of decent, uh, you know, upbringing in terms of just, you know, schooling, just usual. Um, Mm -hmm. Entrepreneurship, I guess. I always was doing lots of little side things, whether it's working at a golf club in the cage in the tractor when people are in the driving range, right, and getting smacked or working a bar job, restaurant job. Wow. Anything like that. And then I guess at uni. I did some night classes in like design and stuff. For, okay. uh, so that I guess I always thought, oh, it'd be cool to have a internet business, I guess. So nice. uh, I guess that, that's me really for upbringing. How about you, Frankie? How did you, uh, where did you grow up? Were you guys buddies when you guys grew up? No, grew up? no. Oddly enough, me and Danny, we didn't know each other in the UK. So oh, we, wow. we, did, we didn't meet. We didn't meet until we were both in Tacloban. So okay. I am from the West Midlands. If you're a fan of Peaky Blinders, it's oh, uh, that shit. kind of <laughs> that kind go. of area. I won't <laughs> fall back into my uh, native dialect because no one will understand anything. <laughs> um, I generally didn't have much entrepreneurial spirit when I was back in the uh, UK. I ended up, I went to university, okay. and then basically just went 
backpacking straight after university at 21. And I haven't lived in the UK since then. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I've traveled overland from Eastern Europe all the way over to Asia, no flights, worked for a year in Australia, and mm -hmm. then came to the Philippines, I think it's 2017 wow. the first time or 2017 no 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 no, no 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 2007 that's okay, what I meant to say. <laughs> or 2008 2008 i was 2007 yeah, yeah i think it was 2008 my first time and then i came back in 2009 and i don't think i didn't leave since then wow that's what i want to know what brought you guys here and again if you guys only met here what were you guys doing? And of all places, why Tacloban? So as Frankie said, he was traveling and stuff. For me, it was, um, I was doing my master's in international public health uh, oh. at the time. So I just was, you know, I got, I'd had like a big New Year's Eve or something. I was just a mess. I was like, I've got to do something <laughs> different. I just got to do something different. So I went online and I found like a nutrition volunteer project and it was in the philippines and i just booked it i just didn't even really think did you know anyone in the philippines or no no what? no no, wow. one, no one and that's maybe why i wanted to do it you know just yeah. completely you, you thought it was in track. south america dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, i thought i was going caribbean or something um, so yeah i just kind of jumped on a plane on new year's day and um came to the philippines and did the kind of volunteer project really enjoyed it enjoyed the philippines and um, met somebody who had the only internet company in Tacloban. And uh, that was a company called goabroad.com. Go that was like a directory for students who want to volunteer abroad, teach abroad, etc. So Got it. long story short, I ended up working with them and nice. I never bothered completing my master's. Um, <laughs> I just left it and I stayed in the Philippines. And then Frankie came kind of six months later. And right. kind What's of your version of the story? Yeah, I came about six months, I think, after Danny. I think it's the... Is it the same program that, that brought you here? Yeah, it's okay. a little NGO in Tacloban called Volunteer for the Visayans. Wow. Um, so they, they do okay. public health, child welfare, sponsored kids through school. Got it. Variety of different projects like that. Mm -hmm. I ended up volunteering with them again for like another two months. It's kind of like a cultural exchange. Right. So you come here, you put up with a... Filipino family in a very kind of <laughs> traditional kind of, you know, working class barangay with like the basketball court in the middle, yeah, right? Yeah. And everyone's like on that basketball Bucket court. Bucket style toilets, yeah, right? You yeah. know, like thrown into deep Filipino culture. I volunteered there for a, a couple of months and that's when I met the founder of GoBroad.com, who's also the founder of the NGO. And mm. They wanted to put a Westerner in to kind of work on some of the relationships that they had with kind of like foreign universities and foreign partners and stuff like that. So it was a you know, very entry-level job. But, yep. you know, being in my early 20s, I thought this is, you know, this is kind of cool, a little bit different. And then that's kind of how I met Danny, roughly the same time. Yeah. That's amazing. Now, what were those things when, when you volunteer? And this is something that I've discovered through the years, that volunteering is one of the most knowable things that you can do because again it's you just putting out your time and effort and everything else for a good cause what were those things that you were doing and again walk me through how you guys eventually became close with each other uh i guess it is that you know putting those things first i i think you you know when people volunteer there's always a bit of intrinsic value that you want to get from it it's just natural human i think you know yeah. element um but yeah i think it definitely opened our eyes to a few things and um 
I guess there was many elements that we just really liked about it. And that's why we stayed. And in the end, we just met each other in the usual kind of place that you meet. Not a drinking. pub. Yeah, drinking. <laughs> Is it a pub? It was a bar, probably. Right? Right. Yeah, like Red Horse. It or... was a Red Horse and so um, coloured cocktail. Yeah, yeah. Or so something. yeah, we ended up kind of getting to know each other because he was working at the NGO, I was working at the tech business, and Get then it. eventually Frankie came over to the tech business. It's the kind of place where everybody knows everybody, right? Right. Mm. Tackle man. So mm. yeah, it's quite a small town. So I know very well because my roots. My mom's from Samar. Yeah. So and close, I have yeah. I have a. Family in Tacloban as well, mm -hmm. so very close. But one thing that I really wanted to zero in is that, okay, you've settled in. And again, there's just always this one point that is like a nexus point, which is Yolanda, the typhoon that ravaged Tacloban. Where were you guys when this happened? And why was that such a pivotal moment to your journeys? I think there was even more pivotal moments, not more, but there was other pivotal moments before that. You know, we've been in Tacloban for a few years. <clears throat> we were both kind of talking about you know some stuff that maybe we should do other projects maybe we should do something ourselves right and then one of the nexus moments was i had my first daughter coming along ah so that Dad, then made Daddy me danny's uh, in the house now. that then made me go okay i think i'm going to be in the philippines for a long time now <laughs> okay I, I've, I've got to start kind of uh, not just being this traveler guy who earns a little bit of money here and there right i need to do something now so mm. then we really started talking about what should we do. So that was the first big moment. And yeah, right? Yeah, you, you got overcome with the daddy kind of like... <laughs> sweats. Sweats <laughs> and motivation. And then you were like, I think I want to build a car website. Do you, want to, do you want to help out? And I was just like, I had nothing better to do at the time. So I was just like, yeah, yeah, I'll give you a hand with that. Well, yeah, well, I mean, the, the main thing there was we were looking for a company car for GoBroad. And, oh. and I was like, they, I was in charge of like trying to find and get that vehicle. And it right. was just a nightmare process. Man. Every phone number I called or, you know, there wasn't even really any dealerships in Tacloban. Yeah. So that's where the thoughts started coming from. And I was like, should we build like an auto trader like there is in the UK, right, a massive right. online marketplace? I said, <laughs> should we do that? And um, we came up with the really inventive name of Pinoy Auto Trader. <laughs> Oh, um, which we right. thought was really cool at the time. Um, <laughs> no, but before that, we were even like um, late cars. cars. And then we were like, and they were like, we're not going to make enough money we, with we late to, cars. We need to branch out a little <laughs> bit broader. So, um, that was funny. So, yeah, we, we ended up with Pinoy Auto Trader, yeah. But Yolanda didn't happen until we'd actually sold that business to oh, solid.com.ph. Yeah. So you sold it to RJ? Yes. yes. Wow, I did not know this. Yeah. All right, uh -huh. so, okay, a couple of things I want to know. So we'll first, first go at it. You're in a non-ideal place yeah. in Taklova, and where I don't know what type of internet you guys were working with back then. The yeah. kind when it breaks, when it rains. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But how difficult was it? Because, again, you guys were just literally, you know, coming in raw with this business. What were the first things you had to do? Because at the end of the day, again, you kind of did it again now with auto deal. Of course, that was the second rodeo. I'm pretty mm -hmm. sure a lot of the things you learned in the first go at it applied in the second one. But what were those things that you had to build out MVP? And this is around pre-2010 for sure. It's so yes. Internet's totally different. And the startup scene had just started here in terms of like, you know, some of the night socials and stuff like that. So the, the whole idea of like startups wasn't really anything nah. back then. So we were in Tacloban and there was five of us working on it and we for i'd say for two years okay we basically just sat in this little office okay tiny little office for two years just working away on it and then we we launched it 
we did some little sh what was that that thing we did uh hack to hatch, hack to hatch. i don't even know if you yes, remember that with um the winston demery winston yes. yes so that was like the first big kind of big-ish kind of competition for startups and right. we did that got a little bit of media exposure I just sent RJ a Facebook message, never, ever spoken to him in my life. I just said, hey, you've got a lot of listings in Sullet. We'd like, <laughs> we'd like to put them in, in Pinoy Auto Trader. And then he just said, why don't you guys just fly over here? And then they just said, oh, we'll buy you. That was basically what happened. Yeah, Straight up. Yeah. They were basically just looking for people to run their automotive vertical. So we kind of came along with our own brand and a, a small team and... Mm -hmm. We added to that team over a course. Of yeah, and we, we were so broke back then. <laughs> you know, we were just so broke. We had no money. So we just, you know, we took the offer and many people will say to us, oh, you should have kept going for longer. It could have been more right. value, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, if that was a bit of a failure on our part, then we always say to ourselves it was a pretty good failure. You right. know, we, we came out of it with a bit more financial stability. Uh, yes. We moved out of Tacloban to Manila. You know, more people got to know us and that helped right. us with our second venture, totally which is agree. auto deal. Remember after Party Foul lost everything, right? Mm. And Chatbot came through. I was just fundraising and an offer to now get acquired came through. It's not a million dollar offer. Yeah. But it got me that thing that I've always wanted, which is to buy my mom a house. Yeah. It was enough. I'm like, dude, this is a sure win. And I get to run the company. Yes, I'm not the main guy anymore, but I get to hedge my, my risk. Mm. And all you, day get you and, to the next step and, and you know you've been for what four or five years six scraping years around file, man. scraping around right yeah. doing everything you could so when you get that opportunity sometimes you just say okay i'll i'll do it maybe i could hang on longer and make more money but you can always do something else exactly so and make your decisions on how you want to make those decisions mm -hmm. rather than do it because you've got no funds you've got no money correct and so, yeah. when you're broke you typically do desperate shit yeah and like, uh, and stuff that you don't want to do, but you don't have leverage and it's so hard to get to those things. But before we go to, again, the iteration of auto deal, what were those things that in hindsight, when before Yolanda happened, you're now in part of this big group and I have my own stories to tell. Because, right. you know, writing's on the wall. When you sell a company, it's not yours. Nope. Right? You're just the guy running it. But you don't call the shots anymore. What were those new things you learned after you sold Pinoy Auto Trader to the Sulit Group? What we learned, yeah, okay, we didn't have control anymore. Mm -hmm. And that was ultimately what ended things eventually. Right. Obviously, their company was going through big changes as well. Sulit yep. went to OLX, OLX obviously went to Carousel. So mm -hmm. many changes were going on there. Mm -hmm. And at the time, any vertical within that group that wasn't profitable basically it was getting axed oh. right so i have to be fair on that as well that they compensated us uh very well for basically closing down but it was also a shock right that, you know it was it was ending so um that again was a catalyst for doing the next thing because you know we couldn't just walk into another job you right. know as, as foreigners so we had to kind of yeah set up another business so got yeah. it but were there any other things that you learned other than again losing control at, at least you guys as co-founders, was there new things that you discovered amongst yourselves or at least new skills that you acquired within that conglomerate? Like, like for me, I'll just give an example. Dude, I learned how to work with the bureaucracy because all of a sudden I'm like, I oh my God. I don't think I've definitely not learned that one. Yet. I, I stayed for a while. I yeah. stayed for three, four years in that system and like, shit, how do you work 
at startup speed with conglomerate bureaucracy mm. backing mm. you up. It's hard as hell. But eventually I figured out, I took it as far as I can. But oh my God, I discovered new things and new levels of patience mm. and persistence that I had to put up with to make sure that at least we still keep trudging on. Not at startup speed, but pretty darn close. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, for us, our time was much shorter as well. It was what, 12 months? It was 12 months. So mm. it was like... That's still a honeymoon period. <laughs> it kind of is. And then it just mm. ended, right? right? Straight away. So mm. um, yeah, I, I don't think it was probably the same as you in terms mm. of what chances we had to kind of learn new stuff. I it mean, from just... the operations of Sulit, were there things that you kind of applied that, again, eventually you still use in AutoDeal? Because they were pretty fucking good in what they were doing. Yeah, I, I think the other difference, though, is that, you know, obviously they were backed by Naspers. Yes. Massive, massive... Cash you know, money. organization. So mm -hmm. they were just, they had a lot of money in those days in terms of funding. Yep. So they could do, go and do lots of cool stuff, company outings, etc. <laughs> We've never had that kind of backing. It's, it's easy to do that stuff when you've got that kind of level of money, right? And it's, so it's, everything is beautiful, right? Everything's right. great. Staff love it. It's a fantastic place to work. We have never really had that amount of cash in our bank to go mm. and do all that stuff. So uh, yeah. We've never really operated like that. Even in auto deal when we've raised, we've mm. never had that kind of like stupid kind of massive level of... Uh, Fuck you, money. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, obviously the startups now, we've had that kind of money in the past but right. kind of facing new difficulties now that you know things are changing and investors want to start seeing some you know profit and returns and maybe not all of those companies are able to give it so i think the whole kind of startup scene went through that kind of that silly phase kind of yeah you know the hundreds of millions and maybe the overvalued <laughs> valuations for, for certain companies. I think you're talking kind of more globally or Southeast Asia, right? Not just even yeah, here. Not just yeah. here, but, mm -hmm. but yeah, here and, and elsewhere as well. Yeah, so. I mean, it, it goes into cycles, you know. Yeah. It's an insane cycle right now. It's, it's dead, right? But eventually it'll repeat itself over and over and oh, over. We, yeah. we don't fundraise anymore. Okay. So we wouldn't That's know. exactly <laughs> what I want to know. And because you guys have it's made it through years and years. consuming. Correct. But again, mad respect because not everybody figures out how to make money. And again, the longevity that you guys have is just top notch. Now let's take our first break. And when we come back, we will now talk about how did you guys start AutoDeal okay. and how you got through all of this hustle. And again, still number one after all these years from what you guys are doing. But let's talk about that more after the break. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. 
your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact 24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. Calling all startups in their pre-launch, pre-seed, or seed stages. This is your chance to accelerate their growth. Submit your pitch to Impact 24 and get ready for a 10-week intensive program to elevate your solution. What's in it for you? How about up to 500,000 pesos in MVP project support, exclusive credits from industry partners, personalized mentoring, and a shot to pitch at SASCON PH, the country's biggest SAS conference this April. But yo, you gotta hurry up because submissions close on January 26, 2024 already. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your startup to new heights. Apply now at saschallenge.ph. That's saschallenge.ph. And good luck and I'll see you guys in Impact 24. And we're back from your break. We are still with Danny and Frankie of Auto Deal again. My guys, very, very, very much respect because, again, there was a phase in my startup life around the last few years of, of Party File. This is where I raced. And again, John Auric took us in, allowed us to work in the Jupiter office. Again, mm. still easily the best office I've ever worked on because <laughs> it's right beside Sweet Ecstasy, by the way. Um, <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> yeah. Um, and dude, just so much magic that happened in that space. But I want to now understand. So after Pinoy Auto Trader, mm. you said, all right, having a job is not an option. And again, you've tasted the entrepreneurial bug already. When you taste that, it never leaves you. Like, man, eh, I'm never going to work for anyone again. Walk me through how you guys started creating AutoDeal and why automotive still? So most of these things are driven by desperation. Um, <laughs> so the first one was, uh, the first one was, I was having my first kid, right? So <laughs> We yeah, got, we got, we got having his second. second kid. So I kind of, you know, we, we got let go from our kind of solid situation. And I just found out a bit before, a few days before that I was having my second kid. And then we got let go from solid. So ultimate desperation is kicking in for me. Frankie hit the bottle, I think, for a while. You started drinking a few bottles of whiskey, right? Yeah. Okay. Our business roadmap kind of generally follows Danny's breeding. Patterns. So, um, How many kids do you have now? Right? Just to so, few. To few. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The irony was is at that point I probably had the most money that I'd ever had in my whole life. Nice. But there was just like you know you'd lost your business and you'd lost this kind of IP that you got a little bit attached to, mm -hmm. even though it might sound a little bit ridiculous now. Um, <laughs> but and it's just kind of like that kind of anxiety of what are we going to do next, right? right? Because we're both relatively rooted here in the Philippines at yeah. that time. And obviously Danny was expecting his next kid at that time. <laughs> so I kind of just like smoked a lot of cigarettes and uh, <laughs> drank a lot of whiskey. And right. Danny kind of just went, went out. out and about and kind of just like went hunting for money for us. Basically. So I'd met like, um, I don't know, maybe a month before a guy called John Oric, right? All so right. Um, Shout out. <sighs> I was like, right, what the hell are we going to do? What are we going to do? This is bad. So, yeah, I sent him a message. I gave him a call. I said, we've basically been let go. Mm. Let's have a chat. So he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just come in the office. Let's talk. Which went, office? The one in Philam? Philam. Philam, yeah. yeah. So we went and had a chat. He said, well, you've got to probably do what you guys know, which is cars. You've got to do something in cars. That's where all your contacts are. Got it. So, yeah, we just went, you know, from there, really, we started talking about what we could do. 
he helped us financially. Mm. He knew about the whole pin order trader thing. So he, he kind of knew that we knew our space. So that helped us get some initial money without having to do any pitching or raising mm. or anything like that. So that was another area where, you know, PAT was, was good for us. So yeah, where did we start? Just with promos, right? Just yeah, like, every car promo in the country. We just back, stuck I on the back site. Then, like, Metro deal was still a thing. And we were like, ah, Metro right. deal. let's do a deal site. Because... When we did Pinot Auto Trade, it was more focused on used cars. But in the last couple of months, we've started like doing a little bit more of new cars and realizing that that's kind of probably where more of the commercial gain was mm -hmm. um, at that time. So we, we started to go out and we'd started to meet some of the manufacturers and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, we knew people like James Deakin. Yes, was, was I remember it. seeing that guy in the office like, whoa, he's yeah, here. Yeah, James used to come and he liked to pick up a beer out the beer fridge and <laughs> we'd, we'd uh, exchange that for him helping us make introductions within the automotive industry. So, right. you know, we, we met people from like people like Mazda and, and Chevrolet and all, mm. all these different kind of you know, the Ayala guys. Mm. So we just like, let's just do a deal website. Let's just focus on like the all in down payments, the low monthly mm. deals, which was kind of like, Looking back, a little bit irresponsible, but it was so prevalent back then. It was like the car industry was booming. Yep. Accessibility to stuff like auto loans and stuff was increasing. So we were just like, let's start with the whole idea of getting a deal with Auto Deal. And uh, I think we were looking at stuff like, call it Car Deal. We were like, no, let's call it Auto Deal because we want it to encompass what motorcycles and other stuff and, mm, but then we go. built moto deal yeah and like to begin with it was kind of like a bit of a a wash of different stuff wasn't there i remember we had right. some stuff from like blade advertised right, like anything right. automotive get a deal but then yeah we just obviously kept building out the product didn't we and yeah. then you know uh to what it is today where it's really you know auto deals being built to kind of solve right problems in the whole Exactly. Car buying process, right? Mm -hmm. So it, it's not just about advertising on the internet. You know, when we first launched Auto Deal, it was just basically lead generation, wasn't it? And then we realized that like 80% of the leads weren't getting responded to by the dealers that we oh were working God. with. So we built all the technology to make sure that we're able to give that customer experience. And that's, I think, a lot of the stuff that people don't see. Right, so all what, the behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember again looking at the site, and this is what I love because nobody else had this. The car comparo thing in Majig, where I can go, all right, pick car A, and I'll see, all right, what am I going to get in this car, and then in all these things. But a couple of things I want to know, right? Um, so obviously John is there to help you guys out, right? Big Boon, I've, I've seen him do amazing stuff with founders, but the last thing you guys had with Sulit was a car thing, right? And you guys are doing this again. Didn't you guys get in trouble with that for a little bit because was it exactly the same thing or is it a different business model or a different attack? We were uh, used car classified with mm. Pinot Auto Trader. And then we, I, we moved to brand new cars. Yep. A new car. We, we could do that. So, so we just were restricted around used cars. Gotcha. So right. we had to start in new cars. So it was a good thing because nobody else was doing that anyway. So we, right. we didn't uh, start up the used car aspect for several years. So it was all it. mainly focused on new cars. Now, when this happened, again, business model-wise, I wanted to understand. So if it's lead gen, do you get commission? How, how did that work initially? Because I saw your team grow and be efficient. At the back of my mind, again, maybe it was just a big idiot. Still probably am. But I never understood, how do you guys make money? And again, if you said that 80% of the leads that came through were not being responded to, that's a waste of a funnel. 
Yeah. Yeah, I guess there's many kind of evolutions to our business model, but basically we went from lead generation to kind of like a, we went through a number of stages to get to a sales generation. Got it. So we built a load of backend technology to track where people were up to in their buying journey. Mm -hmm. And then we could also track when a sale was made. So we built apps for sales agents. So a couple of thousand agents across the country have wow. the auto deal app and they mark off every time certain things happen, nice. like the sale. Mm. So we It's then, like a CRM for them already. Yeah, it is, uh, it is, it is. Um, so then, yeah, we, we built out a, a sales model around cost per sale. So mm. right now we do, you know, around... 25,000 car sales per year what? Um, and we have around 17, 18 car brands with us. Yeah. Oh my so God. I guess we just solved it like problem by problem so that, you know, right. people are not replying. So we built the lead management system so we could track. Mm. We worked a lot with the agents. So usually at each dealership, there's maybe like two to five auto deal agents at that dealership who have our application. Okay. So we can track if they've responded to the customer. So like the technology got more and more robust at kind of tracking that stuff. And then we started doing stuff to kind of like help the sales agent in a way. Because you it. know that nowadays, especially since the pandemic, there's been such a kind of rush on lead generation. Right. But obviously you're giving more and more agents more and more leads, right? right. So, you know, our platform now does stuff like automates a lot of procedures for the sales agent. Mm. So what that's actually enabled us to do is get better and better conversion rate on our leads. And that's kind of boring, probably, to any podcast. No, no, no. <laughs> Dude, but, they love this stuff. The, the, okay. That is just, that's kind of like the recipe that's been enabled us to move to a sales generation model. Because before, like when we first started, hey, we're like, hey, these are the leads. It's your responsibility to close them. We're, <laughs> we're, we're not, we're not going to kind of, you know, be responsible for if they convert or not to right. then going, okay, how do we make this scale? Okay, we're going to be responsible for your conversion. Right. You buy a package mm -hmm. and, you know, we fulfill basically on the number of sales that we need to do for that that package. We Obviously, we have kind of revenue channels as well. Obviously, mm -hmm. you know, our Kako and the guys from the YouTube channel, they did a couple yep. of uh, podcasts with you guys yep. as well. Shout out. Biggest auto channel yeah. on YouTube yeah. now, yeah. just yeah. recently. And it's not even close. Again, you, you got a great host. He's funny. <laughs> I don't realize like, oh my God, I spent 20 minutes with this guy <laughs> dissecting this brand new Toyota Wego, which yeah, I'm not interested yeah. to freaking buy. Yeah. But he's funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he, he's done a great job growing, right. growing the channel. So that has been a massive help for us in terms right. of how we also close contracts, you know, because that's another massive added benefit to Correct. working with auto deal is, you know, you're a part, you get to become a part of the YouTube channel if you're a brand, right? So, and that's been a organic, sustainable way to driving traffic. But I want to understand now product, right? So you've come from building it off of freaking Takloban, used car dealership. I want to understand how you built the product from the very start. Was it, again, the stack that you built it on eventually to like, how you built it up. Because what I love about what you guys do, and yeah, and I remember John saying, Frankie is the best in the business in making sure that funnel goes through. Mm -hmm. like, Shit, I want to learn that. I don't know how to do it. Right. But <laughs> that won't work if your product has a lot of holes in it. How did you build the product to make sure that this whole user experience that you guys were giving, that I, had, I had fun. No bullshit. I bought a car with them in 2015. It still runs now. And again, one of the best purchases I've done. And thank you for the discount and the free umbrella, by the way. <laughs> but I want to understand that process of building the product properly to drive the leads and the experience that you guys were doing. Because you did it right. Not everybody gets that done easily. 
it incorporates front end and back end to make it work. So front end, okay. we were very strong knowledge wise on SEO. Mm, so the roulette game when the well, Pinoy kind, auto tra trader game there you kind go. of yes but better we did auto deal kind of more on steroids in terms of wow. SEO so any car model car variant you type it in on Google number yeah, one yes so that organic traffic just grew and grew and grew mm. and it means we don't have to put as much into paid marketing either SEM mm. you know hey if we didn't have much money that month for whatever reason we don't need to spend on on marketing we'll just use our own right. organic traffic so that was good in terms of how we built it we're very lucky with the team that we've got because aside from danny and myself there's mm -hmm. essentially three other members i guess of the founding team nels nick and, and jan and we were lucky enough we've worked with them for such a over 10 years a, a, yeah wow. such a long time that it's almost innate in the way that it all kind of comes together and yeah. i think there's this misconception uh, we hear it a lot and we've heard it a lot from okay. Investors, um, <laughs> which is, you know, the product doesn't have to be perfect. You know, anybody can build a website and kind of all a bunch of garbage like this. But, yep. you know, the product has to work. Yep. And I think that's becoming more, I, I think, mm -hmm. you know, more of a reason now, nowadays, mm. because we're, we're all accustomed to using products, technology that works, right? I think mm. people don't have the patience to work for applications that don't work properly. So I think people's standards nowadays are even higher than what they were when we first started out. So we're lucky that we had people who knew how to build stuff correctly. Mm. And, you know, we're accustomed to working with the unique personalities, which is uh, Danny and myself. So yeah. uh, I, th I think also the other aspect is, is that we got every stakeholder involved. So mm. we built like a dashboard for Mazda Philippines for all the brands. We built dashboards for all the dealers who were part of that brand. And then the agents are involved as well. So everybody could see in the organization of a brand Mazda, Mitsubishi, Nissan, what is happening. So right. everybody was involved. And that has been, I think, a really big, a big a, thing yeah, for us. We, we built like super transparency within the platform itself. So you can mm. see all the kind of leads and sales, the response time, conversion. And we do a lot of kind of like data reporting and stuff for the industry. And, and people like now are like, hey, when's the Industry Insights report coming out? And we're like, now it's a little bit like, you know, we've been doing that for a couple of years and now it's like, oh God, I gotta do the Industry Insights report again. It's, <laughs> right? People are asking yeah, we're, for we're, it. Yeah, we're still pretty hands-on. Yeah, that's the business. And that's what I wanna zero in, okay, as founders, right? You've been, how long have you been together working? What, 10, 12 years, more or less? Yeah, 12 years. And it's not a straight line. Never is, right? There are going to be days you're going to be butting heads. There are going to be days like, I fucking hate you. Like, I want to <laughs> I want to rip you apart. But there are days that, you know, it. this is the guy you went to war with. And what it is. How did that dynamic with between you, you guys evolve through the years? And what were those pitfalls and the challenges you had to overcome with working with each other, especially as you grew that team, because you're going to be throwing new things as you evolve. Whatever's working now will not work in the next coming mm. years, especially as you grow. Where you're we have to. like 15 minutes where I don't talk to Danny. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we, we haven't had many fallings out. I'd okay. say we've had minor disagreements in decisions, but as Frankie said, the silence might go on for 10 minutes and then one of us goes, should we grab a coffee at Starbucks? And then the uh -huh. other person goes, yeah, yeah, let's go. And Got that's it. the end. We just end that. It never, ever drags on. And then I think as time has gone on, we both just know each other's personalities. We know mm. when to just be quiet and lay off because maybe there's something going on, mm. right? With that, with Frankie or myself and 
I think we just know each other so well now. We know exactly mm. what each of us are thinking. So we don't really have those issues, right? No, no. <laughs> How about decision making? Because again, you guys are experts on what you guys do in terms of division of labor. And I see this with a lot of young startup founders, especially those ones who are probably just doing in their first rodeo. And I always say this, um, everybody wants to be Batman. Where not everybody can be Batman. Everybody's like, hey, I want to be a superstar. I'm the guy, right? But that other co-founder wants his share in the limelight and doesn't want to step back. And, you know, sometimes what happens is that the startup suffers because it's an ego trip all of a sudden. Like, hey, I want to be Batman. Everybody wants to be Batman. For you guys, how did you manage that dynamic? Because at the end of the day, we're, we all have, all have our tendencies, right? But you guys manage to do well. If, if all it takes is fucking 10 minutes and you're already... All right, that's a lot of maturity that you guys had to learn along the way. Not everybody has that. And I've seen really ugly shit happen. How did you guys build that out? Uh, I think I said, I'm going to do this. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to do this. I think, I think referring back to your kind of Batman. You and know, Robin. Think, you know, Not everybody, yeah. Yeah. I think the bad thing for both of us is we're both kind of happy being Robin mm. and um, we're not too bothered about the limelight. I think it just depends like I'd say like when it came to stuff like investors and stuff they'll probably come and talk to you first right like but with clients they'll probably come and speak to me first so it's like we divide kind of like in a natural kind of way. I think we've you know with the business I probably do a bit more product Frankie does a bit more on the kind of sales and marketing and a bit of business development. Mm -hmm. But we have crossovers with just everything. We check up with each other. Do you agree? Mm -hmm. uh, and we just go, yeah, I agree. And then the other person takes it. It's, it, it's kind know? of like a production line in a way. Because I'll go and talk to some clients or partners. And then I'll come back and go, I think there's an opportunity. I think we should do this to mm -hmm. potentially improve this metric or mm -hmm. leverage on this opportunity. And then kind of Danny takes that information and takes mm -hmm. it to the tech team. And then it kind of cycles back and then... Yeah, we'll have like a new product or a new feature that's kind of born from that. Got it. Um, that, it's, it's generally production. There's not much overlap. We have like, I think the only little bits of overlap is mm -hmm. kind of like a little bit of the finance and the human resources side. Whereas right. like, you know, Danny does a lot of work with the, actually with the video team now, which, you know. Mm, direct uh, Danny. Well, probably go. a few years ago, I would have expected that to have been me, but Danny has more of the patience, I mm. think, to actually deal with, sorry, Kako, to deal with Kako. <laughs> Danny has more of the patience and can right. actually, uh, you know, so we kind of just work to kind of where our strengths are, I think, and, mm. you know, where our comfort levels are as well, because each department can get crazy in its own sense at any one time. So, yeah. yeah. And just we've worked together for a long time and you know, that stuff just becomes innate, isn't it, really? What's the dynamic between the people around you, your other co-founders and your leaders? Because again, that has to mesh well for this to work. Well, some of them want to talk to Danny first and some of them want to speak to me first. I guess that's how it generally works. <laughs> just like parenting. Yeah. yeah, I mean, once again, kind of, you know, our three tech co-founders that Frankie mentioned before, they work very innately with us. They've worked with us for 12, 13 years and our leadership team has worked with us, most of them, for over five years. Right. So, you know, everything is quite innate and we just have our regular, you know, flow of what we do. Do you talk to tech and say stuff like, don't tell Frank, don't mention this to Frank here? <laughs> because when I no, talk I to... When actually. I, when I talk to them, when, when me and sales are talking about, just don't mention this to Danny. <laughs> Now, now the dirt's coming out. There you go. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we I'm sure it, yeah. you say to like now to now, Len, you're like, 
Just don't mention this to Frankie just yet. <laughs> Maybe occasionally. All right. <laughs> That's amazing. But I want to understand now, okay, it's not all rainbows and butterflies, right? There are near-death experiences. Talk to me when, about those pivots that you had to do and near-death experiences and how did you dodge the bullet every single time? Because, dude, you've been doing this for almost 10 years. That's auto deal. Ouch. Right? No, but which is good. Should be on a beach by right? now. <laughs> <laughs> which is good. I'll, I'll talk to you guys about longevity and how do you guys keep going. But every single near-death experience and you've been able to plow through and bounce back after that, talk to me about those near-death experiences and how you were able to bounce back. Yeah, we've had a lot of them. Okay. We've had a lot over the last 10 years. And, okay. um, you know, obviously a lot of problems are solved kind of by money and... Um, mm. That normally comes in, you know, you go running off to your investors and you say, hey, we need some money. But mm. usually that comes with either a loan with interest or you lose equity. Right. So that's happened to us a number of times over mm. the last 10 years. Um, <sighs> what was the worst that you guys can remember? How close were well, you from dying? We never really felt, I've never really felt like we've been at death's door with auto deal i think obviously the biggest unknown at the time at which it happened was the start of the pandemic when yes. everybody was shitting themselves everyone was like <laughs> okay let's look at the books right like you know do we need to cut staff you know those are the conversations that you're having right like mm. with with investors and stuff and those are you know how do we make deep cuts now or you know the irony for us was when the pandemic happened we probably got our biggest pickup in actual sales. Are you kidding me? Because you know, several manufacturers that we hadn't been able, several brands that we hadn't been able to get before then, all okay. of a sudden wanted to do more stuff digital because of course yeah. all of their dealerships are closed, correct, right? Correct. So we're looking at like savings and, and costs and the fact that, you know, it was very difficult to collect money back then because, you know, yeah. offices weren't open. So that, that was even that was banks a, were fucked. That was a big challenge. But at the same time I'm like, because we're looking at this stuff and I'm like, we've got like five more major clients now that we need to deliver on. So it's like, yeah, there was, we, no one knew kind of like what the impact of mm -hmm. COVID was going to be, especially kind of early on. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there's kind of that silver lining. I was like, okay, more well, business. It was good and bad. Yeah, we got more business, but right. that money from that new business wouldn't come through for a long period of time because mm. the number of sales in the country had dropped and our revenue model Right. It was cost per sale. Had just switched to cost per sale. So it was actually our lowest revenue. Yeah, we were about 5 million peso off compared to 2019. Sure. So it wasn't too much of a drop. But as the team was growing through 2019, yeah. we had more expenses and stuff. So we did borrow a bit of money during 2020 to get through it. Okay. But it was overall a good thing for us. And we've kept and retained those clients since nice. 2020. So. And I think going back to your question is how do you get through it? I think as founders, you know, as Danny mentioned before, you've either got to go knocking on investors' doors. Mm -hmm. Whichever way you look at it, you've got to make a sacrifice, right? Correct. So as founders, you're always the kind of first people to make that sacrifice. Yep. So I was mentioning it to Danny in the, in the car on the way over here that I've been seeing this facebook kind of like ad video about people talking about like why you should be an entrepreneur and one of the reasons this guy's giving <laughs> is because what happens if you lose your job today and i'm like that is the worst reason to become an entrepreneur because you're like a thousand times probably more secure in your job even in today's climate than you Correct. are as an entrepreneur as you know ron as founders you're the last people to get paid yeah i, 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 th <laughs> yeah. I think during the pandemic we went 
I don't know, maybe two to three months with no salary or Shit. very reduced salary. Um, oh so that that was pretty tough. Um, but that, as Frank said, that's the nature of owning the business and being yep. the founders is that everybody else comes first. You make payroll for everybody else. Read last. You go last, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, there's been a, a few occasions where that has had to happen and you take the hit. Mm. But that's part and parcel. There's good times, right? Take the rough with uh, the smooth. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right, now last question before we take our last break. I want to understand leadership style, right? Because at the end of the day, again, you ask multiple layers of people and people come and go, you know? Some people leave nicely. Some people make a fucking mess, shit the bed, right? <laughs> How did you change your leadership style over the years, especially as co-founders who's this tight? There's only a few founders or co-founders that have seen they're this tight. And again, it's just seamless, right? I have a co-founder now, Joseph, right? He's my lawyer in Kickstart, but we were tight ever since, but this is the first time that we're actually doing this together in one company. But again, there's several layers. Like the, how I am behind closed doors with Joseph is different when I'm with my leadership team and also during town hall <laughs> in front of everybody else. And again, the way we also tackle problems is very different now when we started on 2019. How was that like for you guys? Overall, we're pretty easygoing founders, I would say, mm-hmm. which um, can be bad as well. But we're pretty easygoing. We have got a bit more stricter in terms of the company policies as the team grew. Okay. So we always keep a level of flexibility in the business. Yeah, um, yeah. You can't have the same kind of shenanigans that you have as a, <laughs> when you're like six or seven people when you're like, you know, we we have i guess matured a little bit in terms of how much we drink in front of staff (laughs) talking to myself here as well Um, it was kind of one of those things right it was just like you know startup and kind of alcohol was always so like closely connected back in the early days but like obviously now you can't centralize a work culture kind of around alcohol and obviously we don't drink anywhere near as what we used to so some of the staff from kind of the who've been with us a long time they'll remember the crazy days and the, <laughs> the newer staff will be like wow we've never seen but yeah, yeah i guess you just have to mature and kind of grow up the more that the business grows up yeah i, I think we're going through a bit of a transition now um with the fact that we never have, we've not gone back to a full-time office a hybrid <laughs> even maybe a bit less than a hybrid what's in jupiter now then well, we, we, we left we, Jupiter during the, the pandemic. pandemic. Oh. Instead of letting staff go, we let the office wow. rent go. So we went fully remote during that time. And then yeah. we, we got a small office where, you know, admin and finance go. And we go there maybe. Video you know, team use it. Video yeah. team use it. And we've, we've gone in. Are in Cebu? Not anymore. No, 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 no. I've been, I've been here now oh, a while. Wow. But we go to the office now maybe once a month. Our tech team is fully remote. But. I guess we'll just see where it goes. So we are going through a bit of a transition now on how to keep the company culture going mm-hmm. uh, with being kind of less than hybrid. So yeah, yeah, uh, we're, we we were doing the same. Um, the only reason why we have this facility is because we need to do recordings. Mm-hmm. But the rest, probably 90 percent of my team is remote. Mm-hmm. Right? They all live in Slack, mm-hmm. bugging each other. I think I think the biggest thing that staff love is not being stuck in traffic jams for four hours. Yes, because right? you've Absolutely. sold too many cars, Absolutely. you know. So. <laughs> Definitely not. Traffic, the traffic <laughs> Rule number one. There you go. As auto deals fall where there's traffic, they sell too many cars. There you go. Now let's take our last break. And when we come back, we will talk about more how auto deal has made it through the years and how they kept going on to this hustle. Because again, it's not easy 
when you're at year eight or nine. And I want to understand how they keep going. But let's talk about that more after the break. Hey, Hustlers, it's time to talk business once again. And we're excited to share a bit more info about our sponsors, Sprout Solutions. And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode, you should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter as you grow your own startup. Because this bundle that they have is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level as you grow your employees. And this bundle is your key to freedom, including payroll outsourcing to experts, a subscription to timekeeping and attendance software, and government compliance services. Sprout's Payroll Starter has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll and HR needs. So visit sprout.eh payroll-starter-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game. And again, big thank you to Sprout Solutions for liberating your time for what truly matters. Hey Hustlers, wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents? Well, I got good news because today's sponsor, Uno Digital Bank, is here to help you achieve your financial goals. You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Filipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with Gcash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag UnoReady savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag UnoEarn or hashtag UnoBoost time deposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag UnoEarn and flexible tenors with hashtag UnoBoost. Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, scan and pay with QRPH, and phones. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com. Hey, Hustlers, I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023, and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. Not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor, Dragon Pay, is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. Dragon Pay is your trusted choice 
for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit Dragon Pay is. Dragon Pay was named Fintech of the Year at last year's Philippine Fintech Festival in 2023. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the Dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer, trust Dragon Pay. And we're back from the break. We are still with Frankie and Danny of AutoDeal. Again, amazing, amazing story. But again, we have to pay it forward to those listeners that we have now. And one thing that I really am impressed with you guys is, again, I've seen so many founders who don't even make it past year two or three. It crumbles. I've seen horror stories now of infighting and whatnot. And I've seen also our contemporaries, our batchmates, per se, who have now split up amicably. And they're still very good friends, but they're doing different shit. I want to understand how you guys still have buy-in. Is it a year-on-year and check-up like, hey, Danny, do you still want to do this? Frankie, do you still want to do this? Because again, the end goal, all of us, let's just call a spade a spade. We want to fucking make a big exit, right? That's the goal. I'm not sure what that's the same goal, but I want to understand first how you get that buy-in a year-to-year basis because this is going to war and you can't go to war with half-assed, right? How do you guys do that? We have these conversations all the time between us about what do we want to do? Wouldn't it be great to sell out now because things are going really bad, right? And you just want to get out. (laughs) But it does change, I think, a bit as time goes on. So Mm. we're not really fundraising anymore. Mm. We are a profitable business. Nice. And the way that we're seeing it right now is is that, especially with the economic climate that it is right now, Mm -hmm. we probably wouldn't get the money that we would want for right. the business probably anyway right. um, at this point. We, you know, So we're kind of looking at more of a long game, I think, at the moment. Write it out. Keep building out. You know, We've got auto deal, truck deal, moto deal. We're maybe looking at moving into other adjacent industries and kind of grow horizontally across the Philippines mm. rather than look for going into another country. Obviously, we will always listen to anybody who would be interested, right? Every founder would. But you know, if that doesn't come along, we're kind of... We'll see it out. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're generally open-minded. We always kind of talk to any parties if they if they come along or they have a, an idea. But I think that, yeah, as Danny said, we're kind of set in this route now. We kind of know what we want to get out of auto deal and, mm-hmm. you know, where we want to take it and, you know, where it is right now, where the opportunities are in the future. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, there are big fish in the kind of whole automotive yep, market. Especially in the region. In the region. And, there's you know always consolidation in markets that take place right now yep but that's it's probably not something that's going to happen in the kind of short term I so think, i yeah. think the other transition you go through is you talk about oh you've, you know you've got to go to war and that you know that's what startups is etc as time goes on you have to change a little bit because you, the intensity and of yep. that can't go on for over a decade right things have to change you have to take some vacations you have to have some downtime you have to think about going to the gym and you know being fit and healthy because Correct. otherwise stress and everything else will just consume you. Change, change your expectations, right? So, right. you know, if, you, if we're thinking more of a long-term game, mm-hmm. we're, it's a longer timeline. You're not rushing to get something done within 12 months. You're not looking to grow at 100%. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously that's great. Everybody wants to do that, but sometimes realistically, it's just not possible. So you don't force that by right. trying to raise more money and spending more on marketing. We'd rather just grow it say, I don't know, I mean, re- more realistic, 30, 40%, yeah. which is still good growth. And it has longevity for the business, right? So, but how do you balance that out with investor 
clamor. Because of course, when investor comes in, it's like, hey, I want that exit, guys. Why all of a sudden we're coasting at the profitability level? But again, some funds have a finite life cycle and they want to get that money back and have that exit. How do you balance that out? Because every startup that been, have been able to raise has that pressure. Not everybody does well in managing that pressure. How do you guys do it? Uh, tell them to point at a similar company that's doing what they're asking. <laughs> Generally. Uh, okay. You know, it's different financial circumstances for different companies, right? And, mm. um, you know, we're very focused, I think, on profitability. Yes. Um, and I think it's always I'll, the best state you need to be in. I think that's becoming a little bit more attractive now, yes. right? I always give the example what's the difference of $101 million revenue and $1 million profit and then. $3 million revenue and $1 million profit. It's still kind of the same thing. It's obviously, like we said before, we're not loaded, but we've never raised a really massive round. Yeah. So, you know, I think the expectations are just based around, you know, you've got to look at the automotive industry right now as well. It's been a, it's a very troubled industry over the last couple of years with yep. uh, the tax and also production's been really slow for a lot of the brands because of the... Yep the semiconductor shortages and, you know, based on some of the people that we spoke to, that kind of stuff's improving. It's got a, there's a right timing for when stuff can grow and how stuff can grow. And mm -hmm. I think Danny just touched on it before about going into more adjacent kind of products that you, you need to do that. So. Well, I, I think also the other thing, because we've never raised 10, 20, 30 million dollars, the pressure to be a hundred million dollar business is less. is less. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but we're still driven to grow the company as fast as possible. But right. because we're not raising funds anymore, we're, we're not mm. quite under the same pressure uh, as somebody who's raised a lot, a lot of money. Yeah. Mm. And you have to reach a certain valuation for those investors to get their money back. It all depends on what story that you said at the start, right? <laughs> and uh, that's where it's coming to catch some people up, I think. is Correct. you know If you're telling a tall story at the start and maybe certain investors not doing the right due diligence, I guess, I guess that's when it, those kind of things catch you up a little mm. bit. But um, yeah, so. But I want to understand now, knowing what you know, right? And looking at sometimes it gets ridiculous in the local startup ecosystem. What are the things that you see are good things that are happening and there's things that people should look out for? Because again, there are ridiculous valuations, which is great because when we started out, we're all getting the short end of the stick. So hard, right? But again, you've seen people who, again, are now sunicorns. There's a good batch that's right behind that. It varies in different success. They're now, again, they're going to war. And you guys have gone through war over and over again and made it out alive. Not everybody does that. What are the things that you didn't see in the industry as startup veterans? Let's just call this spade spade, right? Startup veterans that, that are doing well. And I think we should look out for. Don't know, really know what's happening on the scene these days. Because <laughs> um, you're so old. Uh, <laughs> I'm completely oblivious to what's going on. What, what differences are? I think the differences that there are now is, is, yeah, there's more support. There's probably more understanding from the conglomerates to want to get involved with these startups yeah. now. Mm -hmm. I think personally, what I like more and more is SaaS products that you can build a bit more organically. And, you know, if you can just add on a, a million dollars or $500,000 revenue every year mm -hmm. and you don't have to take funding from VCs. Yes. That is what I think we're interested in and looking at in the future more. Yeah, more. I think like back in the day, it's like people felt half the battle was won just on kind of raising money and obviously there's a lot of companies that raise money that 
we know of um, from back in the day that are no longer around. And I feel like, yeah, like you said, maybe um, focusing on, you know, companies that actually have got a good pathway to profitability. Correct. and it, You know, the hype's changing a little bit now. Mm. And uh, companies are starting, and it's not just here, like com- companies in the West are starting to get called out. You know, in the automotive kind of space, you're seeing like stock on stuff like Carvana and stuff in the US and Kazoo in the UK has taken nosedives because yeah. they haven't been able to kind of return on what they were kind of promising to investors, right? So, yeah, I think the, the landscape's changing a little bit. Yep, unit economics is a good determinant always. Yeah, um, I, I think I think uh, ten years ago, fifteen years ago, I would have been like, "Oh, it'd be great if we could raise fifty million, a hundred million. <laughs> that'd be amazing." Yes. Whereas now, that does not excite me at yeah. all. I, yeah. I would really rather just try and grow something organically and have everything in our own hands, our yeah. own destiny. You know. How do you guys keep going? And again, North Star has it still been be the same, or did it also evolve through the years? Because again, through war and every single battle takes a little bit of something away from you. Right, you have more stripes, but man, this is torture. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, right? we've had a lot of stripes, as you put it. Yeah, I think emphasis on you know, Frankie, do, you do a lot of going to the gym, right, and to help de-stress and things mm. like that. Dude, um, he's swole now. The last time I see him, he's not this swole. Right? <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I think you know, I eat better for sure compared to the days of living in Manila in an apartment. So I I think there's more attention to those things to keep going longer at a more sustainable pace. Um, I think that's another thing that's changed as well. Like back in the early days, it's like all about kind of killing yourself for your startup. (laughs) Doing doing like all-nighters and, you know, drinking copious amounts of caffeine to keep you going. Now I'm like... And I need to be in bed by like nine o'clock otherwise yeah. <laughs> I can't function the next morning, you know. Yep. So stuff like that's changed as well. And obviously that that's been in the media as well, right? About mm. the kind of whole like psychological impact of doing uh, startups and obviously we had COVID and during times like COVID, you're like, oh, maybe I just want to go and live somewhere else in the world and you go through those <laughs> phases. But, you know, you just got to go back to basics, look after yourself. Mm. I think health is key. Mm-hmm. Um, spending time with family um, you yeah. know if, if things are out of whack with them then that can affect your work Absolutely. And, and stuff as well so you've kind of got to just kind of be a bit more rounded got as it. time goes on right. yeah. now last few questions um, what are the best mistakes when I say best mistakes these are mistakes you're happy that you did and what are the things that you guys learned from those mistakes that you guys did along the way you best answer this I don't make mistakes <laughs> best mistakes <laughs> best mistakes i think the the one we described before around the whole just sending hundreds of leads to agents and right. it was all via email and then we mm. found out that nobody replies to our leads that created this whole idea about a whole big back-end SaaS system for agents and dealers and that was huge mm. for the business i think the pin order trader one was a bit was probably a mistake but it was a good mistake yes. if you're going to class it as that yeah um, it, it might seem like a mistake today but if yeah. you look back on it it's kind of just all part of the journey yeah right so yeah have you got anything there the only uh, two i can well, think of yeah <laughs> all right last we run a pretty tight ship run, so, <laughs> yeah. now i want to understand now frankie i'll just do a deep dive in terms of oh, user shit. acquisition yeah. Right. Because a lot of startups, again, I remember doing this with the session with you in Podcast Network Asia. Full disclosure, Frankie's an angel. 
a very nice angel at that, right? And I, one of the things that I wanted to zero in is like, dude, you are again the best in the business in user acquisition. So if after this episode people start reaching out to you, I'm sorry, but let's zero in on the the way you guys are able to drive that traffic. Because at the end of the day, every startup is a funnel. If you cannot drive users to your product, whatever that is, there's no startup to talk about. Because mm -hmm. those are just your technically your chances of winning. Not everybody's going to buy, but the fatter the funnel is, the better. And multiple channels that work, the better as well. So what's your formula in this? And at least, again, generalize it in a way where startups can take advantage of what you've learned. And again, if they want to reach out, they'll reach out to you down the road. What's my formula? <laughs> um, I can set the scene for you no. if you want. <laughs> uh, I don't think it's. I don't think it's a you know a big mystery. I think it's commoditized a, a lot in the you know digital marketing industries. You know, it's kind of understanding what your traffic actually does. Right, that, that's one thing that we're a little bit obsessive about. So we know that you know where we advertise. We know what the traffic it produces. We know where our sales come from. We know that. 70% of the sales that we generate through AutoDeal, they come from organic and direct traffic. People who come organically to us come directly to us because those are the people that have strong intent to purchase. Um, you know, less so people that will come through stuff like Facebook ads, you know. I think, you know, when you're buying a big product like a car, you mm. know, you, you're not going to be sold to buy a car with a Facebook ad in the same way that you might buy, you know, a pair of shoes or an electronics product or makeup or, or stuff like that. It's, mm -hmm. it's about understanding that it's not one shoe fits all. You've got to look at the product to what you're selling in the industry that you're in and see what, mm -hmm. you know, what works best for you. We do a lot of deep dive on the data to see how that traffic actually behaves. And thankfully, we have a team that, can create the right kind of SEO infrastructure that we need, the right system architecture, credit to all of the on-site content that, you know, we got a team of writers and stuff that do that now. Mm -hmm. I think there's been an evolution as well. You know, back in 2018, 2019, we were probably doing about 2.5, 2.6 million visitors. Wow. Whereas kind of on purpose, we've started to reduce that. We're now more around 2 million a month. <laughs> and that's because, yeah, all of that, Six, seven hundred thousand was just wasted users, yeah. wasted money. So crap traffic creates bad leads. Mm. If you give a sales agent too many bad leads, well, it distracts them from the good quality leads. So the overall conversion and the overall yield of sales that they're generating becomes less. So, you know, we've had instances where we've, you know, maybe dropped leads by about 20, 30 percent, but the sales conversion's gone. Another thing that, you know, I don't want to plug you guys podcast network that is but you know we've also come back to basics with a lot of a lot of branding obviously we got the youtube channel we did some you know we did some sponsored placements on podcasts and mm -hmm. kind of explaining what the actual brand does and what the benefits of auto deal are yeah because the way i look at it if you're buying a car why would you not use auto deal because basically we price find you the best deal yep we put you in communication with reputable official sales agent we have partnerships official partnerships with 17 major manufacturers we're in almost probably 600 dealerships now wow. in the philippines like you know why would you not use it and that was a question that we asked ourselves a lot last year and it's like well maybe people don't understand the benefits so we've, we've mm. gone back to you know there's obviously everyone goes crazy about Facebook ads and yep, digital yep. ads and stuff like that. But you need to go back to basics and explain to your audience what it is that your product does because over time, you just want to be getting more of that direct, more of that organic traffic that comes from 
we get a lot of people, for example, that will come to our website because they'll type in Toyota Fortuna Auto Deal. So I want to go to the Toyota Fortuna page on Auto Deal. That's the kind of stuff that you want to generate. If your business is totally built on Facebook ads, I'd say you got. I just tell everyone that you're walking into a Zuck big, big problem there, <laughs> right? Because that stuff can change overnight as well. Um, so right. yeah, and you're 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 building your startup on borrowed land. Yeah, it's it's a bit boring really when you say what what are the kind. It all goes back to organic and yeah. direct you know, traffic, making sure that you've mm-hmm. got your kind of fundamental basics in, yeah. in, in place. And if if you've got that, I think you're off to a good start. Mm. Um, obviously, I can't divulge everything. Also, <laughs> oh, right. I don't know what it is anymore. <laughs> but again, if you want to reach out again, just look up for Danny and Frankie on LinkedIn and on Facebook. And again, thank you very much, Danny and Frankie, for such shots, an amazing shots, shots. episode. Yeah, thanks thanks a lot, so much. Thanks, thanks for having us. All right, but before I let you go, what should people look out for? Again, you guys, there's a lot of, it's not just auto deal now. There's a lot of exciting stuff that's happening in auto deal and all the deal sites that you guys have been doing. What's up next? And if they want to reach out to you and if they want to buy cars, invite our listeners over to what you guys are going to be doing next. Well, I would generally say that over, yeah, the... I guess last seven, eight, nine years, we've all been focusing on buying a car. So really what we're starting to focus on now is ownership, mm-hmm. how to help you with your ownership of a vehicle. So that could be insurance. You can yes. buy that online with auto deal, mm-hmm. servicing, all these kinds of things around that. So that's probably the next chapter. And we're really kind of also getting into used cars now as well and nice. helping people purchase Got a used circle. car vehicle. Yeah, mm-hmm. every, everything now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know what he said. Yeah. <laughs> and again, thank you guys. But before I let you go, follow us on whatever podcast app you're listening to, whether it's Apple or Spotify or any type of podcast app. And if we did say some jargon, it's going to be in the show notes on hustleshare.com. And lastly, if you want to be part of creating the content, we have Hustleshare Premium on hustleshare.com so you can actually get access and first dibs and even ask our guests on the amazing stuff that they've done in their hustles. Again, Danny and Frankie, thank you very much. Thanks very much, Ron. Thank you, Ron. All right, I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace.